The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief of BuffaloRumlings.com and host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A. This is our last Q&A podcast before the legal tampering period opens as part of free agency. It's the last podcast for Buffalo Rumlings Q&A before the collective bargaining agreement is voted on or finished voting on by the players. There's a lot of stuff that's going to happen between now and next time, so we're going to have a lot of questions jam-packed into this episode to get that off the table before free agency tampering opens. As always, you can call in your questions at 716-508-0405. Tweet us using Rumlings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Facebook messages, Twitter messages, Instagram messages. You can email us at buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show and ask your questions about all the players that the Bills agree to contracts with in the first couple days of free agency. Let's get to it. It's our free agency preview. Before we start talking about potential free agents, the Bills have made a couple moves this week. The first being uh, the signing of Josh Norman to a $6 million deal for one year. Josh Norman was, of course, with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean in Carolina. The Panthers famously uh, gave Norman the franchise tag, then rescinded it before he signed his massive deal with Washington uh, and spent four years in uh, the District of Columbia. Uh, But Ron Rivera came to town. And uh, one of his first moves was to cut Norman because he was being overpaid. And that makes sense. But the Bills getting him as their number two cornerback at $6 million a year makes a ton of sense. He's not going to be asked to be the main guy. He's going to be back in Sean McDermott's zone-based scheme. So that makes a ton of sense. I actually really like the signing for the Bills as a way to push Levi Wallace, as a way to solidify that second cornerback spot. It probably means Kevin Johnson is gone, but that's okay. The Bills have made a habit of collecting cornerbacks over the last several off-seasons because they know someone's going to get hurt or someone's going to underperform or someone's going to retire in the middle of his second game as a Buffalo Bill. So they have that depth built in. And um, I think Norman's a very good signing for this team at this point in time because if he plays even like 80% of his all-pro year, he'll be a solid addition to the Bills' secondary. Um, He doesn't need to be a leader in the room. They've got 
Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer in the defensive backs room. They've got Tredavious White in the cornerback room, who's going to be the lead voice in that room. So I really like the signing of Norman for the Buffalo Bills, even if he did underperform for Washington in 2019. Also, on Tuesday morning, the Buffalo Bills picked up the 2020 option of Spencer Long's contract. He's going to make somewhere in the neighborhood of three to three and a half million dollars to be the Buffalo Bills depth option at center and guard. That's what he was last year when uh, Mitch Morris was hurt. He was the one that filled in at right guard uh, with John Feliciano stepping over into the center role. And uh, he, he did fine in that role. I'm glad that they have a guy that could capably start if they needed him to. Right now, they have an opening at left guard, so maybe Long fits in there as you know the the last ditch effort at the starting left guard position. Uh, if they want to keep Cody Ford out at right tackle, and and at the bare minimum, you're going to see Spencer Long as the starter at left guard. More realistically, the Bills are going to add more players either via free agency or the draft that could fit into that role, and Long's going to be your interior depth lineman, which I'm perfectly happy with, and I'm perfectly fine paying $3.5 million, especially with Mitch Morris's injury history. Two other quick roster moves. The Bills exercised their uh, exclusive rights free agency tender option on uh, wide receiver Robert Foster and cornerback Levi Wallace. Both of those guys can certainly play in the league. I mean, Wallace might be your starting cornerback uh, week one, and they get him for a league minimum contract. Uh, because both of those guys have only been in the league for uh, two years, they get to extend a league minimum contract, and those two guys can't sign with any other team. Uh, This is the last year for both of them as exclusive rights free agents. They'll have to go to restricted free agency next year when the conversation becomes a little bit more uh, of a bigger number on that contract. And like you're looking at Isaiah McKenzie this year, is he worth $2 million as a restricted free agent? Probably not. Is Robert Foster? No. But at the league minimum, those guys make a lot more sense. The other thing that Sal Capaccio reported uh, from WGR was that the Bills were looking into the exclusive rights free agent status of Jason Kroom, the tight end who was injured last year. He played in 2018 and was on injured reserve in 2019. Those would be his two accrued seasons, but they're trying to figure out if he has another accrued season, I guess. If his time on the Buffalo Bills injured reserve and practice squad in 2017 counts as an accrued season, he would be a restricted free agent, in which case he's probably gone or signing a league minimum deal. Uh, But if the Bills can tender him and automatically get him for that league minimum contract, I'm sure that's what they would rather do and bring him back to training camp and their offseason program on a league minimum deal. Uh, He's not going to get a ton more than league minimum on the open market, I wouldn't think, but the Bills are clarifying their position with him right now. That'll be cleared up by the end of the weekend, and we'll see if he's tagged or tendered, rather, as an exclusive rights-free agent, which means the Bills would get his services for the 2020 season at the league minimum. Those are the questions I'm getting a lot early on in this week as we head like a barreling freight train towards the opening of free agency. The Bills have pretty much set the table for that with these signings other than the Kroom thing, and uh, we haven't really seen them release any veterans yet, but that probably won't happen until after the CBA is voted on uh, Saturday night into Sunday and Monday. The Bills have a couple days of wiggle room into that free agency period because they don't have to pay their roster bonuses until the third or the fifth or sometimes the seventh day of the new league year. So they have a little bit of wiggle room before, say, a guy like Trent Murphy's bonus would be due and they can release him before they have to pay that. Let's get to your questions now. And Paul Amborski 
send us an email to buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. It says, I know it's a one-year deal, but I could see Josh Norman moving to safety if he re-signed long-term, and we need depth there. Didn't we move Troy Vincent from cornerback to safety after we signed him from the Eagles back in the day? Great signing, can't put a price on veteran experience. Yes, the Bills moved Troy Vincent to safety when he did sign with the Buffalo Bills back in the day, but that was a long time ago. Let's see here. That was uh, 2004, so 15, uh, 16 years ago now. That's a long time. Uh, Norman is going to play cornerback for the Bills. He's on a one-year deal. Uh, he probably will be on one-year deals for the rest of his career unless he signs a little two-year deal. Uh, but he's not. it's not like he's looking for big money or signing like a super long extension. He is pretty set at that cornerback position right now. I do like the idea of having a veteran in the rooms, a guy that understands Sean McDermott's defense and his position in it, but I don't see him necessarily moving to the safety part of the equation, even if he does resign. Um, thanks for your question over at Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com. Our Twitter question of the week comes from Ian Carmody, who asks us, would the Bills sign Tom Brady for a one-year deal for $30 million and let Josh Allen learn from him? Well, Brandon Bean was asked this question earlier this offseason, and he pretty much put the kibosh on it saying, I, I don't think Tom Brady would be happy being a backup quarterback or something along those lines. If the Bills sign a quarterback, it's going to be a guy that's behind Josh Allen. They've put all their eggs into the Josh Allen basket, and putting him back on the bench isn't going to teach them anything Um because at the end of this season, it's the end of his third year, they're going to have to figure out whether they want to give him the fifth-year option and or whether they want to think about extending him long-term. So they really need to get a sense of what Josh Allen can do on the field in year three of his rookie deal. Signing Tom Brady doesn't help them do that. And as much as you know, he might be an upgrade over Josh Allen, uh, I don't... He, we're building towards a future here, and I don't see where Tom Brady would fit into that future. Um, I don't have a problem with Tom Brady, the person. I think he's a super talented quarterback. I think he's very good at what he's done and always has done, but I also don't think he would be a good fit on this team at this point. If Tom Brady goes anywhere, he's going to start. He's going to make $30 million. He's going to be the guy, whether it's in New England or Oakland, sorry, Las Vegas, or anywhere else where he ends up. Tennessee uh, has been the speculation with uh, his his old buddy Vrabel as the coach. So there's a lot of places he could land. I do not see Buffalo as being one of those places because they've invested so heavily in Josh Allen and building around Josh Allen, and they need to figure out if they want to invest more in Josh Allen. It's just as much about the future as it would be about 2020. They have to figure out what they have. They have to figure out what he has to work on. And more importantly, if they want him to be working on that in Buffalo as opposed to for somebody else in the NFL. It, I, I understand the question. I understand why people are talking about Tom Brady every once in a while. But it just doesn't seem like it would be a fit in Buffalo because he would be behind Josh Allen. And there's no way that Tom Brady's going to sign with a team to be a backup quarterback. Thanks for your question, Ian, over on Twitter, at RumlingsQ&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. We do have a list of potential backup quarterbacks that the Buffalo Bills could sign. It's part of our last day looking at potential holes on the Buffalo Bills roster. And that uh, dropped all on Tuesday. We looked at Matt Barkley's 
2019 season, how he played in relief of Josh Allen. We took a look at some NFL draft options at the quarterback position to come in and play that depth role that they were kind of hoping Tyree Jackson might play last year, but did not pan out. We also took a look at free agents that are going to be available from around the NFL at the quarterback position that could come in and play that mentorship role. It's just one of the things we've been doing at Buffalo Rumblings to get you ready for this offseason, taking a look at pretty much every position on the roster to see where the Bills can upgrade and how they can change. You can check all of those position groups out over at our tracker at buffalorumblings.com, tagged right at the top of the page. We'll be right back after this quick break with more of your questions on Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Over on Twitter, Sean Joyce asks us, I heard your podcast on free agency in the draft and wanted to ask, with some depth already at a few positions, does it make sense to keep some guys like Trent Murphy, Tyler Croft, Spencer Long, and TJ Yeldon to try to save some free agency ads to get a high compensatory pick next year? Well, Sean, I really like your question because it gives me a chance to talk about compensatory picks just a little bit. This year's actually been really weird because we don't have the compensatory picks released yet. Usually they're released right around the NFL Combine uh, time, but because of the CBA negotiations, they've apparently put that off for a while, and we don't know what the uh, compensatory picks are for this current year. Compensatory picks are awarded when teams have a net loss of free agents. Those free agents have to enter free agency without being released, and um, they only count based on how large of a contract they sign. So the only person from your list that would be entering free agency naturally would have been Spencer Long because he had a team option in his contract. Now, you asked this question before Long was uh, re-optioned, I guess is the right way to say it. His contract was picked up for the 2020 season. He would have entered free agency as a free agent whose contract expired. Trent Murphy, Tyler Croft, and TJ Yeldon, the other three players that you mentioned, wouldn't be entering free agency on their own. They wouldn't be entering it naturally, so they wouldn't count in the compensatory pick formula, either for free agents lost or for free agents signed by other teams. It is interesting to note that OverTheCap.com, who has been the best tracker of compensatory picks, says that this offseason, the compensatory pick formula was changed and that players with declined options may no longer account for the compensatory pick formula. So Spencer Long may not even count as far as that compensatory formula going forward. The last time the Bills received compensatory picks was in the 2016 NFL Draft because of their 2015 offseason. Tyrod Taylor was their only notable addition to their roster, while Eric Pierce, C.J. Spiller, Lee Smith, and Denoris Searcy all were listed as departures. If you don't recall, Searcy got a really big contract from the Tennessee Titans, and Smith got a nice contract from the Oakland Raiders at the time. And uh, the Bills were able to get some compensatory picks back in the formula. They were received a fourth-round pick for Searcy and a sixth-round pick for Smith. And that was back before you could trade compensatory picks. Those picks can be traded now where they weren't able to be traded before. 
I would expect the Bills to be in line for a compensatory pick or two heading into the 2021 draft. Jordan Phillips is going to probably sign a really nice contract. Shaq Lawson may sign a nice contract. Uh, the Bills have some free agents that could get paid elsewhere. Kevin Johnson, the cornerback, and Quinton Spade in the left guard both would seem to play into the compensatory pick formula too. They'll both probably sign really nice contracts and both are probably going to sign them somewhere else. Uh, looking down the rest of the list, Frank Gore or Lee Adrian Waddle, Julian Stanford, none of them are going to sign contracts that are going to be large enough for the Bills to actually recoup anything from their signings somewhere else. But it also means that if we're counting that up, Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, Kevin Johnson, Quentin Spain. So if you sign four big-time free agents or medium-time free agents within the compensatory pick window, that'll cancel out any of the contracts that those four bills sign somewhere else in the compensatory pick formula. So the bills are going to be, have to be judicious. If they're in line for a third or fourth-round pick next year, do they really want to sign a guy this year that might be worth that? The bills are going to add free agents, but they'll be close to probably that three, four, or five free agents that they sign, depending on where they go with, say, the offensive line or defensive end or defensive tackle. So they, uh, Josh Norman does not count in the compensatory pick formula because he was released. I think I handled all the stuff with compensatory picks. One more thing about it. Any of the stuff that happens in the compensatory pick window is for next year's draft. I alluded to that earlier. Um, the 2020 picks should already be announced by the time you hear this, maybe. Um, and the 2021 picks are the ones we're talking about now because that extends past the 2020 NFL draft. Thanks for your question and let me get up on my soapbox a little bit about compensatory draft picks. As far as what the Bills should do this offseason, I don't think they really need to focus in on compensatory picks at this point in time. They're still in a position where they're probably going to be signing more free agents than they're going to lose. For me, it's likely that they sign one free agent on the offensive line that's going to come from that compensatory pick formula. They may sign a linebacker from that compensatory pick formula, a pass rusher, say a Robert Quinn or, you know, Jadivian Clowney or that's pie in the sky stuff, but you know, they sign one of those pass rushers and then they sign, um, I don't know, defensive tackle or something like that. That's already four. And then they're donezo with their compensatory picks. So if they can keep it under three, if they can add an offensive lineman, a linebacker and defensive end, then they'll still be in line for one compensatory pick based on where those guys um, sign the four we talked about before uh, where they signed because they were able to replace that cornerback slot with a non-compensatory pick player in Josh Norman. Like Norman, it's what makes guys that were released by their former teams, especially veterans, it makes them a little bit more valuable to the Bills because then they can kind of fit them in with the compensatory pick formula. A uh, linebacker that was released by another team can come in for the Bills and not count towards that formula for the next season. So you can see how they can do some roster management that way and kind of piece it all together without going into the picks. Thanks for your question again over at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter. Back to Twitter where Adam Vasquez asks us, would Cam Phillips be just another camp body at this point? Phillips has been playing really, really well in the XFL, just like he played really, really well in the preseason for the Buffalo Bills. He was one of the last roster cuts in the end of August before the Bills moved on with their current roster. 
I don't know if he'd be a camp body. He's one of those depth guys. He's you know a practice squad player, a guy that can be at the very bottom of your roster or the very top of your callback list for guys that if a guy gets hurt, you know you can give him a phone call and have him come back. But the Bills also have guys like Ray Ray McLeod and you know other players that are like kind of right on that cusp too. If the Bills sign a free agent and add a guy in say the first round of the draft, then yeah, he probably would be a camp body. But are they going to bring back Isaiah McKenzie? I don't know. Uh, are they going to be able to restock and you know and really put bodies into that wide receiver room that can make an impact in the NFL? I don't know. Uh, is he ahead of Duke Williams? Probably not. So I mean, just go based on you know who they have. If they've got Andre Roberts, who's going to be returning kicks and uh, playing a little bit of wide receiver, they've got John Brown, they've got Cole Beasley. They've got Duke Williams. Those are four guys. Robert Foster's probably ahead of him because he was ahead of him when they made their roster cuts this year. If you add a wide receiver in free agency and a wide receiver in the draft, you're up to seven wide receivers. That's a lot of wide receivers that he's going to have to beat out for a shot at the roster. Even if they only add, say, one this offseason, still six wide receivers that he's going to have to beat that he wasn't able to beat out last year. So, I mean, the Bills are adding depth and adding depth and adding depth at a lot of positions, and wide receiver is one of them, of course. So I, I wouldn't rule it out, but he's not on the roster now. So they would have to sign him to reserve future deal before somebody else does, I guess. I don't really know how the XFL contracts are working with NFL teams. Do they have to wait for the XFL season to be over to sign? I don't know how any of that's working. But for right now, yeah, he would be a camp body for the Buffalo Bills. Thanks for your question over on Twitter at Rumblings Q&A. Thanks for all your questions for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. I think we've really set the table for free agency, especially talking about compensatory picks as in-depth as we did this week. Uh, Next week, the Bills are going to start agreeing to contracts with players. I'll have my reactions to that. Um, Stick around the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. We'll have breaking news um, coming into your feeds probably every day next week as the Bills sign players and probably release some players as well. Get your questions in for our show at 716-508-0405. Tweet, Instagram, Facebook, email buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Go Bills.